the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, so uh, State Senator Mark Johnson joins me today here in this hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. I've been trying to get him on for uh, quite some time, but uh, he's been busy, been busy camper. What have you been up to? Oh, there's been a lot of things going on, Dave. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, the, uh, uh, you know, people, well, the summer, well, like Congress is in recess yes. now. And uh, uh, the legislature, of course, we're in recess after the session ends, essentially, but... Uh, uh, these uh, organizations that are legislative organizations that we belong to, Arkansas belongs to, and we individually belong to, have their meetings, try, try to schedule them when most, if not all, states are not in session. Right. And so that ends up being July and August. It, it causes us to uh, – uh, that's that's a hot time for going to these uh, different places we uh, had the southern legislative conference which is one of our biggest one in charleston south carolina this year excellent conference and a, and a wonderful city i got some great ideas about fixing some of the things locally uh, from seeing how they're doing things in charleston almost no homeless problem no graffiti no trash on the street uh it's just you're thinking now you know okay so now how are they doing it well, I'm I'm working on that. I asked uh, my uh, Uber driver about. Uh, I said, "You don't see graffiti?" She says, "Oh, we have a very strict anti-graffiti ordinance." And so I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up on this. Okay. It's, yeah. You, you can see these these things that have to do with the deterioration of our community, and uh, and the, you know, of course the mayor's wanting to spend bukus of money on quality of life things i'm thinking if you he want wants another one percent tax it's dave it's absolutely out of hand it, it is just i mean i don't just mean this little rock proposal i'm talking about this whole idea of oh we want a new toy dad dad i want a new toy so pass a one cent sales tax when the voters aren't looking and then i can have my new toy well they're going to have a harder time of doing that now i think people are are on to it uh things are I guess the problem is that the, the mayor didn't seem to understand the last time he floated one of these. Yeah, it got whacked down pretty hard. Yeah, and I, I think this one, uh, at least for the things I've seen so far, I have not testified yet on it, but I'm going to go to one of the uh, hearings or the public meetings that he's having. I guess he had one last night in Ward 1, and it, he wasn't uh, overly happy after he walked away from it. Well, you know, Dave— they, I read the one about the one. I guess the one. I don't, I don't remember the ward number, but it was the one that was at the Unitarian Universalist Church, and mm-hmm. there was a guy talking about how, you know, we need to do this. We need to have a 
commuter tax. We need to tax the people that come into Little Rock to make their living. And I know I'm I'm hitting close to yeah. home when I say that. Well, I look, I I lived with that one time when I worked in uh, in Kentucky for a year. I I worked in Lexington, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and they have that. Well, I I think it's. Uh, an abomination, really. But the point well, is that yeah, that's an understatement. That you come into Little Rock, you go through the Wendy's or Chick Fil A drive-through, and you get a, a a meal. You're paying, you're paying tax. Yep. You're a taxpayer. And those of us that live just outside the city limits, we have a lot of the uh, burdens of the regulation of the city without having a vote. Mm-hmm. And uh, I drive the four miles or whatever to the closest supermarket near my home. It's in the city. I pay the tax there, uh, which we're still paying on groceries, even though we're not paying the state tax. These are some things that that we need to fix. And uh, if you're going to control the extraterritorial, the three miles outside the city limits and tell people how to live, uh, then you'd also need to send the fire trucks out there if something catches on fire. Uh, and maybe we need the vote. So that may be easier to accomplish in reality than in theory, but... Uh, uh, you know, used to revenues for locals came from mainly property taxes. So if you lived in the city, you were paying for things in the city. But there's this mindset that was envisioned by that guy that, that wrote that. That was they quoted him verbosely. I must have must have thought he was really some brilliant guy. But uh, said he was some kind of music producer or something. But this point being like, let's figure out a way to tax the people around us rather than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and see that's the problem. See, they do that as well when you look if – if you stay in one of the hotels oh, yeah. here in, in Little Rock, check how much the tax is. Oh, it's crazy. And there, I, I have to do a little mea culpa on this. Uh, David, it's, it was – I don't want to say how long ago it was. It was a long time ago. I was a, a young whippersnapper, and I was in the cabinet of Governor Frank White. Wow, that was a while back. And uh, this was during the time we were dealing with the Jimmy Carter inflation of the residual of it. Wow. And cities and counties were having trouble financially because, you know, when your property tax are like two years late, you receive this money, you know. So so what the tax was plus what the cost suspended on now had gone up because of double-digit inflation. Well, they were in a bind, and, and Frank... I mean, I supported it. I thought it was a great idea. Frank said, we're going to give the locals an opportunity to have a local option sales tax. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the first ones that passed it was uh, Caddo Valley down by Arkadelphia. Yeah. Little town. It's the industry is you pull off the freeway and there's an Well, it's the the little town that the last time I saw them mentioned in the newspaper was the guy who was wearing the Speedo and and was going to the... Well, but the thing is, you got a lot of people pulling off the freeway. They're going to the convenience stores, and they uh, they spend money. So you're you're basically shaking down the tourists as they come yeah. through, and, and, and it's okay. I mean, but but the point. I think they were the first. I think went up to like a two. I think whatever the maximum rate they could do it, and 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 we, we're we're creating this system where you have the haves and the have-nots in our our communities. You have. Uh, uh, years ago, I went down to uh, Star City in Lincoln County, and I met with the judge and the uh, uh, mayor. And he said, the mayor said, I need to hire two new patrolmen. And the 
judge, I need to hire two new deputies. We've got the money. I said, well, have you considered a local option sales tax? And he, they both laughed and said, we could have a 10% tax if we wanted to, uh-huh. but we don't have the tax base. Our people go to Monticello or uh, Pine Bluff to the Walmart Supercenter, and those cities, counties, get the benefit. They get the, the money. Tax. Well, that's just not right, Dave. Those people in Lincoln County and Star City, they deserve services, too. Let me share a story with you just because yeah. I, this goes right along with what you're saying. I was talking to Linda one day, and I said, I need to stop at Walmart uh, in Cabot. And she says, why are you going to go to Cabot's door? We can, we, there's three of them that were passing, making our way home. And I go, right. because I want the tax money to stay to go to your town. at my town. Yeah. That's what I said. And then you got a situation like with Maumelle. Uh, Walmart decided to build the super center just across the line in North Little Rock. So all the Maumelians go to the Walmart closest to their house, but the tax money goes to North Little Rock. Now, I'm not picking on North Little Rock. Right. There's things happened that caused them to locate in that point. But uh, to say it's equitable, I mean, you've got, uh, in my district, okay, it's a Walmart on Day Ward Drive. It's people that live in Perry County right across that bridge. They drive over that bridge. They go to that Walmart. But that money stays in Conway. And Perry County's had some they could Problem. use the money. They could sure lose, and those people are paying it. So shouldn't they get some benefit? And I, it, it's to me, it's a, it's a, it's a tax equity situation, and uh, uh, and I, I think we've we've it's gotten kind of out of hand. It really has. And I think we need to reel it back in, and, and it's part of an overall idea of tax reform, which will hopefully be one of the steps getting us toward eliminating the personal income tax. So. The reason I mentioned that it's going to be hard for them to to get these uh, property taxes up, they're not going to be able to do special elections here in the near future. I think uh, David Ray's piece of legislation goes to in, into effect next year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and on on the special. Elections. That's right. Yeah. So they're yeah, going to have to be they're going to have to be yeah. either at uh, primary time or they're going to have to be the at general, the general election. That's right. And it's going to be hard to pull the wool over people's eyes at that time. It, it, we've, it, for the second time, I was proud to co-sponsor that with David, and uh, uh, it, it was just don't fool the people. Tell them straight up if they, you truly make a case and you need the revenue, they'll vote for it. If you can't, then you don't deserve it anyway. Why does it, why did they wait until another year? And they could have put it on this year. Was was it there's some to, technical to get reasons. the votes there's some technical reasons and uh, uh, I, I don't know because the heavy lifting on that I think was in the house uh, the Senate we sailed it right through but uh, I haven't asked David the why but but he believe me he would have done it retroactively yeah, if he could, I gotcha. but, uh, but uh, yeah I was proud to work with him on that well, he's worked on it hard and Alan Kerr worked on it hard and I forget who the Democrat was that started it all. But he worked on it for years, and mm-hmm. everybody would get close, but it would get stopped at some point along the way. I mean, when Alan Kerr got stopped, uh, uh, I forget what. Uh, Wasn't that the issue that committee. the Sturch Lurch happened? Uh, uh, that was part, yes, that was on the vote on the floor in the House. Right. And then uh, and he left uh, he to, make the phone, to make the phone call. Yeah. And then we they had, had sounded the ballot. That's yeah. what it was. And then yeah. we had a we had a, a Republican killing committee uh, mm-hmm. uh, over in the Senate uh, a couple of years before that, uh, and it was it, 
it just been pulling teeth trying to get it passed, and it finally did. Well, Dave, you and your education of your listeners, I think, had a lot to do with us getting that done. So I want to thank you for your part. In well, that. everybody should know. Now, you remember about six month, six years ago, North Little Rock ran their sales tax up. Mm-hmm. They asked people to vote for it. I hear they're going to try to do it again. And, and I'm going to say just just be real honest with you folks in North Little Rock. Fooled you once. Shame on them. You vote for this again, shame on you. Well, I think people are starting to see the whole idea. I, now, Dave, I could support, and I've thought about introducing a bill like this. I haven't done it yet. But to raise the threshold, if you want to have a special election for a tax, it, it should take 60% or, or, or two-thirds. Mm-hmm. I don't know what magic number is but if there's really an emergency and people need it then you can sell that to the public but this business of let's hide it and just tell our people to go vote let's have, let let's have it on valentine's day or my favorite was the one for the uh, convention center where they uh, on robinson center they they did it 10 days before christmas <laughs> 10 days before like christmas. everybody's thinking about taxes at that moment right right yeah, yeah. all right mark just a few weeks ago we mm-hmm. lost uh, a real statesman uh, mark lowry who was a friend of this show and i got mm-hmm. to know him really well uh and he was a he, he was a good man and he did a lot of good things well he passed away he had he had a couple strokes the yeah. first one was bad the second one was worse it was real bad and uh it it just it did him in mm-hmm. uh some thoughts. I mean, I didn't realize that he went all the way back to, to Huckabee in, oh, in the well, governorship. Well, let me, let, first of all, uh, people that know me know this, but uh, there are others that don't. Uh, Mark Lowry was my best friend for 39 years. We met in 1984. He was running against uh, incumbent Democrat State Representative Doug Wood in Sherwood. And ironically, Doug later supported Mark in his races. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, Mark was like the 27-year-old uh, uh, public affairs person for the Pulaski County School District. And, oh, wow. Uh, and everybody was like, oh, there's this 27-year-old guy running against Doug Wood. And he had a very good showing. Now, of course, this was the year President Reagan was reelected. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so National Republicans tr- encouraged Mark to run in, in 86. He did. Uh, we worked hard, but he still didn't win that one. And then... Uh, uh, he also had another race in North. He'd lived in Amboy area. Had a race in North Little Rock, and he lost that one. This was when Republicans were climbing uphill. We were clawing our way oh, up. I, I, and I, I tell people when I got here, it was in two thousand. There were four in the House, one in the Senate. That was it. Yeah, and people just—it's hard to imagine not just that we made this change, but how far it's gone. Now yeah. we have the supermajority. Well, uh, in twenty. 12 or 2011 I guess really and Mark had, had moved to Maumelle and uh, he called me and said uh, hey I'm I'm thinking about running for that open house seat I said Mark I said you haven't lived in Maumelle that long you're running <laughs> against the only person who was the, 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 the city clerk over there and he was a young guy and he was one of the few people I ever knew that literally grew up in Maumelle. He went to grade school there. You know, most people <laughs> Everybody live him, from huh? somewhere else, you know. Right. I said, this is crazy. you got the city against. He goes, well, I'm still going to run. Are you going to help me? I said, of course. And so uh, it was a 
tough race, hard fought race. Uh, we had a few breaks. You know, always in politics, your 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 opponent does something really stupid. To yeah. be honest with you, uh, we found a couple of Facebook posts with uh, uh, he was his opponent was uh, posing with then Governor BB and the uh, Democratic nominee for uh, Lieutenant Governor with their their his their badges on and mm-hmm. and we we played that to the republican group here he's supporting these democrats so anyway uh the idea was let's try to hold our own in Maumel and then go into the north of rock and, and oak grove in that area and maybe get a majority uh, uh my friend Dwayne matthews i kidding call him the mayor of oak grove he waved a sign at the poll in oak grove mark got like you know, 80-something percent of the vote in that poll. But anyway, when wow. it was all over and the dust settled, Amboy came through again, and Mark won that primary by nine votes. So I called him Landslide Lowry after that. <laughs> and uh, he he's had uh, 10 years in the House, did a great job, uh, a lot of landmark legislation, pushed for, for school choice, uh, the things that laid the groundwork for the LEARNS Act. Yes. Uh, uh, homeschoolers the oh he was big homeschooler and, and a big supporter and and i worked with him specifically on the what became known as the tim, tim tebow bill uh let homeschoolers participate in extracurricular activities mm-hmm. which was a, a slug uh, we had to slog along to get that done it took about three sessions but uh, i was chairman of insurance and commerce astute legislator uh, uh ran for for treasurer primarily to push back on this ESG madness yep. and all this. Uh, but uh, um, my dear friend, it, we lost him way too soon. The, the first stroke, was it was debilitating, but mm-hmm. he was able to function in his, in his therapy and and uh, went to stay with his daughter in Maryland, and he was by phone talking to his staff and everything. But the second stroke was, you know, put him down, and, and, uh, and ultimately uh, we lost him. But it... Uh, yeah, I, I'm still not completely over it. Uh, I guess I'll never really be over it. But uh, uh, he went from winning by nine votes to getting 75% in the primary last Amazing. year. All right, let's continue on. Let's let's finish up talking about Mark Lowry, former Treasury. You know, I don't know how to how best to 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 face this part of the question because, like I said, I I got to know him when he was a legislator. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would come on at if I asked him to come on to talk about a bill, he would come on and he was always prepared. He understood what the bill was about and what it would do and things of that nature, and I really appreciated him for that. What I didn't know was his history. I mean, I didn't even – it's just been recently that I've – Learned all the history about you and how long you've been how long you've been involved. I'm older in, than dirt. And well, but I'm just saying, you you've been involved in Republican politics for a long, a long time. time, and and you you clue me in sometimes. I'll be talking about something, and, you, and you'll say, "I want you to think about something." I like when you do that. Well, you know, if you live long enough, enough you will know a lot of history because you were there when it happened and i i, I don't want to pick on this I, I talked to a young man that was on the governor's staff it's super guy super young man and i said so i said uh do you and it's when meredith oakley passed away recently mm-hmm. and i said do you, do you know who meredith oakley was he goes no 
I said, do you know who John Robert Starr was? And he said, no. Oh. And I'm thinking, then you, there's a big gap in your Arkansas history. You know, right. and that, that's not – he's a young person. He's, I think he's 28, 29. But the point is, you know, they were – he was a baby when these people were, were active. And uh, uh, you just – it's just – perspective of, of of age well it's the same way i look i don't I've, know if it's wisdom but it's perspective i've been here since 2000 that's uh-huh. when i got here yeah so i've been here for a while now yeah and uh when i bring up bruce westerman when he was uh, a, a local he was politician, state representative right, from garland county and yeah. he was the man who came to me on my show and said we need to let the money follow the students right that was in 2010 and i remember all the names even Republicans were calling him, and not his name, to be right. honest, all right? Uh, they were totally against what was going on. And we would talk after the show, and I just said, I, I looked at him and I said, you're ahead of your time. That's all it is. You're just ahead of the time. You're exactly this, right. This is going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but sooner or later people are going to realize that this is the best policy. Well, Dave, let me tell one more Mark Lowry story, sure. and I'll, I'll, I'll never forget this. Uh, this would have been the 2013 session. He was elected in 12, and uh, and Bruce was the majority leader. Remember, it was 51, 48, yeah. 1. We had a Green Party. He was, he was really a Democrat. But it I was remember, essentially yeah. 51, 49. The dope smoker. Yeah, I remember. Well, this was – well, <laughs> I won't even get into that. But, uh, uh, but uh, we had the, the bill that uh, – uh, it was a voter ID bill, and uh, I'm, I'm 90% sure of this. Sometimes you get mixed up on some of them. But uh, uh, it passed, and uh, uh, BB vetoed it. And, surprise. And they were planning for an override attempt. And uh, Mark was sick. He had the flu. He was laying on his couch. And uh, I'll never forget this. Uh, uh, Ryan James called me and says, can you get Lowry over here? And I said, I don't know. And so I called. I said, Mark, they, they need your vote. Well, Westerman's in the well, and there's some innocuous bill that's being debated. And Bruce was filibustering, and he was buying time. And Mark was driving from Maumel. He threw on his suit, yeah. driving from Maumel. And, and I, on the phone, I said, Mark, pull up to the west door and – We'll be waiting. And I'll take your car and park it. You just jump out. I'll park your car and bring your keys to you in a little bit. And uh, uh, Ryan James, who was working for the Republican caucus in the House at that time, Ryan works for the attorney general now, he had the elevator held, and they got up there, and Mark walked in you know, the main door, and Bruce saw him, and they finished up. He wrapped he it up. wrapped it up, and they had the vote, and they had 51 votes, and they overrode the veto. But that's... You know, the, the, what we had. And now we're sitting there with, what, 82 House members? 82 House members. That's just amazing. And they're conservatives. They're not, you know, there's a few, a little squishy, but, uh, you know, a, certainly a, a a majority of conservative Republicans in, in both ends of the Much more formidable capital. than they were That's back right. in 2010. That's right. And we're in the Senate, the same thing. I mean, we've... Uh, uh, you know, I, you I, got, I don't mind calling re- some names. We've replaced Jim Hendren with Tyler Dees. We've got some real conservatives, you know, in the legislature now. Okay, I'll, I'll bring the, the gentleman that was down in Hot Springs. Sample? Bill Sample, yeah. Yeah, he's gone now. 
He's gone. He's replaced and, by Senator and, Matt McKee, who is a conservative. There's no question about Matt being a conservative, and that's a good thing. Yeah. I'm just saying that's a good Matt, thing. Matt, of course, you know, he's he learned the hard way. There's certain questions you don't ask of a witness in committee. <laughs> we won't go over that day, but you remember the one I'm yes, speaking I, of. And he showed me some of his but it's emails. A legitimate question. It was a real good question. <laughs> it's a legitimate question. But yeah. another one of our young up and coming stars <laughs> in Senator McKee. Yeah, that's that's so funny. I, I love uh-huh. that. I, I'm glad I'm glad that he had the cojones to ask it. Yeah. Well, it, 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 some you've heard the term begging the question. Yes. It was literally a different form of that. It yeah. was. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If you just joined us, uh, State Senator Mark Johnson is with us. I mean, how long are you going to stay in? Um, no, not here. Oh. In, in as, as State Senator. How long well, are you, how long are you going to I'm running stay? for re-election, so everybody, please vote for me. I need your help. Um you know, my wife and I were talking about this the other day. She says, well, if you win this time. I said, what do you mean, if I win this time? She said, do you think you'd want to run again? Everybody questioned years? if you'd win this last time. Well, surprise. And you won big time. Well, I, I, I'd rather be underestimated than overestimated. Yes, I agree. But uh, uh, she was just asking me, you know, how long do you think, in other words, how long do you think you want to do this? Well, mm-hmm. when I was first elected, uh, I had some people saying, what, you know, are you concerned about term limits? And I said, well, if I stay as long as I can, I'll, I'll be like 80 years old. And I said, if you think Catherine Johnson's going to let me serve till I'm 80, you don't know my <laughs> wife very well. But, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of variables. Is, is there someone else that could do a good job? Am I physically and mentally and, you know, well enough to do the job? It, it can be taxing I look at, at you and look at the president, and I'm telling you, you do a lot better than the president. Well, the president has a tougher job, and but that's not to say <laughs> – uh, you know, but there is part of that. And do I, you know, where am I in life and other things? Mm-hmm. I, I, I love being in the Senate. I, I love my colleagues and I love working. Even some of the Democrats are my friends. I mean, we, you know, people, it's not news if, if, if Clark Tucker and I work together on some issue, that's not right. news. Right. Uh, but if we're opposed to each other on something, which happens a lot, then that's newsworthy. And, and people sometimes get the wrong idea of how we do we, We're generally a pretty cordial group but uh, uh, it'll be really about how am I feeling how can I perform if I can keep doing what I'm doing then I'd be honored to serve for a little bit well I'm going to be honest with you I believe that with the Republicans in the majority that they are now they treat the Democrats a lot better than the Democrats treated you all when they had their supermajority going they were some of the ugliest people I ever watched. Well, and a lot of it was actually on issues, and I hate to – I don't want us to be mean about it, but I remember uh, Jerry Cox was telling me the story of the very first early pro-life bills that they brought up. And they'd go to the Judiciary Committee, and they didn't even get a motion mm-hmm. to get the bill out. I mean, couldn't even get someone to say, motion do pass, even though it didn't get a second. And they, they just, it just, it just killed it. That was, Nick Wilson was there, and it was just, and, 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 and Jerry was contrasting that to today when, you know, we now the most pro-life state in the nation because of the, the work that's been done yeah. in the legislature. So, you know, there's a lot of people, hey, it's okay to complain about your legislator. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. But 
Man, if you were around then and contrasting it to where I we was, are now, I know. Yeah, well, I'm talking about even before, yeah, before you I got, got here. here. Right. I mean, at least you know we could we could get a motion and we'd lose, but I mean we couldn't even you know get to first base in those days. And now it's just about a grand slam every time. And that that's uh, uh, I want to say this, Dave, about this last session. The Learns Act will probably end up being the most significant positive change for the state of Arkansas in Agreed. my lifetime. Uh, we, we have, I was talking to a gentleman yesterday, and he brought up the old line of the definition of insanity. Sure, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. And, and that's where we were in education, and uh, we've, we've broken that paradigm. And, and Secretary Oliva is a strong leader yeah, and, he's and, good. And, and, and brilliant, and the governor, uh, that was another grand slam, but, but some of the cabinet members she's chosen are just excellent. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for our state. I think wonderful things are going to happen, and, and it's, it's high time. Well, people who are involved in her staff, I mean, Gretchen, who came from Arizona, I mean, come on now. Right. She already been through this battle one time. Right. Now they're not doing anything differently than she wasn't expecting from the Democrats. And all they're doing now is trying to, to throw, uh, you know, the, the monkey wrench into everything. Exactly. I mean, you saw where the, uh, was it her name, uh, Nolan? The, 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 mm-hmm. She wants now to say, oh, just let it go now, you know, because it's, it's already law. Just let, you know, the Supreme Court doesn't need well, to get involved. Well, I, I do think the Supreme Court needs to verify that, that we, the, the legislature, have a right to define Oh, I agree, but she, now she's well, we, we're past that. We don't need to, which goes to show that the only reason they were doing it was trying to screw things up. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That was it. Well, it's, we have fundamental disagreements on that. I, I don't fault people that, that think differently on, on issues like that, but we just absolutely Again, Dave, you you summed it up. We've been doing the same thing over and over again. If if money were the problem, oh, we solved this a long time these, ago. All our kids would be Einstein's. Yeah. Uh, when you got two thirds of the kids not reading at grade level, there's something wrong. It, it, seriously, that's that's seriously the real measure, wrong. Dave. Foundationally, yes, there's something wrong. Right. Uh, with getting you on the air and and getting our next guest on the air, so we're we're okay now. I wanted to talk to you about what's going on in Searcy County. Big win for you uh, the other day about that. I would love to talk about it. All right, go. All right. Well, Searcy County went to um, paper ballots. Uh, their quorum court voted on it on Monday, six to two, and it's just an amazing thing, Dave. They um, uh, they took a really, really hard look, a methodical look at going to paper ballots. It wasn't just, you know, uh, they just they voted. What they did was a couple of months ago they decided that they would do research. They asked me to come up. I did. Uh, spoke with them. Uh, spoke to the quorum court. They uh, formed a bipartisan committee of Democrats, Republicans, and I mean a bunch of people, and to do the research. And then they, they had a study that they put together to find out exactly what it would cost, would it be beneficial financially, not, blah, blah, blah. Make a long story short, uh, they decided that it was financially uh, advantageous 
it was a smart thing to do, and so they did it. And um, and, I, and they also had a town hall, by the way. And the people who were complaining about it, uh, none of them came to the town hall. And they invited the Secretary of State's office. Nobody came So uh, to, to oppose paper ballots. Right. So, um, so when they got there and they voted, uh, they passed it. And then now everybody's upset. But, you know, they, they just got tired of listening to the talking points that go over and over and over uh, from the machine, the voting machine companies that people just simply parrot and just repeat without any evidence. So uh, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. So they're, they're one, and we've got several other counties that would like to do the same thing. They, they were just scared. They're getting a, a lot of pressure, or at least I've been told that, they were getting a lot of pressure from the AAC uh, uh, saying you know, that they shouldn't go to paper ballots. They're getting a lot of pressure from the Association of Arkansas Counties. And um, so, you know, I, I would like to know who exactly is doing that personally. Yeah, because I had the Secretary of State on uh, on Tuesday, and uh, he made the statement that he didn't care what counties did as far as uh, voting, whether they did paper ballots or did the machines. didn't matter to him. It was what they wanted to do. Well, that's not necessarily true, because if that were true, why didn't he fight SB two, uh, 350? Um, the bill 250 that got passed that punished counties and made them pay more for paper ballots. No, so why would he? You know, he didn't uh, fight that. In fact, they supported that. Uh, his director of elections, uh, Bellamy, uh, Miss Bellamy, spoke, and uh, they absolutely were uh, against paper ballots. You could tell they, and that's why they put that bill through. You know, there's a, an ongoing effort to keep counties from being able to determine how they want to vote in their county. And it's not right, it's wrong, and Republicans should not be doing that, but they are. And uh, and I think that it's time that they're called out on it. Um, we're going to have a lawsuit, Dave. Um, in fact, I don't know if you heard, but we had a hearing on the 7th of, of August, and uh, Judge Fox um, listened to uh, our complaint, in fact, the Attorney General's office tried to push it up to the uh, federal court to um, uh, Judge Moody. He remanded it back to the state court and said, this is a state issue. And so Judge Fox was a little bit upset that they were trying to move it to a federal court. He said that elections are state, uh, they should be in the state court. They're right. states run elections. And I think he said, right, he said, this case uh, has national implications. And he had set aside a whole day on September 11th. Everybody ought to be able to remember that. September 11th, we're going to have a hearing in Little Rock. And just so you know, we're bringing in experts, uh, Dr. Andrew Appel, Ph.D. of Princeton, computer science, um, a guy who's uh, testified before Congress. Uh, we're bringing in um, uh, Mr. Stark, Professor Stark, out of University of California, Berkeley, who is um, – uh, uh, he is a genius. He's the guy that invented the risk limit audit, and he is going to come and testify. And also, uh, computer scientist Doug Jones. It is going to be great. I mean, these are all experts. These are not people who work for the machine companies or somebody who doesn't know anything about the computers that are in these machines. These guys are experts, and they're going to come testify on the September 11th. I would like to see every news agency in Little Rock come cover that but what i'm finding out is that none of the dim gas or anybody else 
they're simply not interested in that. Okay. That's a shame. Okay, so people so need to know. Yeah. What what is the what is the the the, the fight at, over uh, this going to 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 solve? What what would happen? What was the, what will the judges' ruling do? The, the what I I read federal and state law, and federal law is very clear, and it says that every voter should be able to do, to verify. That's the key word. Verify that. The person they're voting for is what is being counted. Well, the machines that we use, ES&S machines, cannot read text, Dave. They can only read barcodes. And those are barcodes of what they're counting. How can I read a barcode? How can I verify that that barcode that machine is reading is, in fact, the person that I voted for? I have no way of knowing. The only, the only person that knows that or is the programmer from ES&S. Even the Secretary of State admitted they can't read barcode either. They have no way of knowing other than doing audits. And we're going to prove and show that their audit is not an audit at all. I'm going to bring the stat, uh, Professor Stark, who invented the risk limit audit. He's going to explain exactly that what they do in Arkansas is absolutely non-effective. It's not an audit at all, but they call it one. And so people of Arkansas need to understand we don't have um, transparent elections. Uh, we only have what the computer companies tell us who the winner is. And so we're going to try to change that. And what we want is for Judge Fox to give a temporary restraining order so that none of those machines, none of the touchscreens can be used uh, in our elections because they do not comport with federal or state law. So – is is your your winning strategy as you see it going to be that you get the restraining order and it forces the 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 counties or the the election zones or whatever however you want to call it uh, to use paper ballots? Right, right. You know, just like Pulaski County does right now, they use they use paper ballots on election day, and so. Um, now, they don't need the early voting, but on Election Day, they use paper ballots. They go back to precincts. They use paper ballots. And, they, and, they, and you know, Kim Hammer and some of the other people forced the counties to use the tabulators. So you have to use a tabulator, the DS-200, to run the paper through, which I completely disagree with. But uh, they wanted to do that. So fine. So we're running through. But the main thing is just to have a hand count after that, a full hand count. That way, you'll know if that machine is messing up. Right now, we have no way of knowing. We have no way of knowing if anything's been altered, manipulated. Malware can easily be put on these machines. All the experts, every expert I've talked to says it, and they've been saying it for years, but un- that nobody wants to listen. No, nobody, but, and there's a lot of money here, buddy. I mean, <laughs> there's still a whole lot of money going on in buying these machines, and we're forcing these little big counties Okay, to have to spend this kind of money, and it's wrong, and it's it's wrong for for no reason at all. When they could easily just count them by hand. Okay, all right. So so if after the, the this uh, court case on the eleventh of September, how long right. do you think it'd take for the judge to make a ruling? Oh well, that, now now I can't I can't read his mind. Um, I don't know uh, much about Judge Fox. I think he's a smart guy, uh, and I think that um, uh, I have no way of knowing 
how long it would take, but I don't think it would be very long because it is of such import that you have to make a decision quickly. You can't, you know, um, you can't just let this go. So I, I think that he'll make a decision. It's only fair to the people um, and the counties to know if they don't use it, then they've got to start uh, redesigning their uh, voting process to be able to include paper ballots. It's not a hard thing, Dave. This is not hard. It's not rocket science. We've been voting on paper ballots for a long, long time. But I've always said we need to have a system where we have um, a finite number of ballots that are watermarked, that are secure, that we can use on election, for our elections. And it's not a hard thing to do. But they do need a few months in order to make that happen. And our primary is in March right. uh, this year. And so, um, so the sooner the better. And I hope that Judge Fox makes a very quick decision, and um, and I, I think that he I think that he will, and uh, that'll give the county clerks enough time and the, and, and the uh, state board of election commissioners uh, a time to uh, reset, adjust, and uh, and make it happen. All right, I wanted to get you on the air to talk to you about this because I knew that you would have uh, you know a lot more information than what the story had in the in the newspaper so i wanted to tell you i appreciate you joining me on short notice i, I absolutely no problem at all thank you so much for having me and, and and please tell everybody come on september 11th former president trump was indicted for the fourth time this time on a state level in georgia and uh the big story on that is they want to start the uh, trial proceedings on that as of when I can tell of today. Uh, information I'm getting uh, happening just a couple of uh, days before the Georgia primary on uh, Super Tuesday next year is supposed to happen. So Tim Head is going to join us. He's the executive director of Faith and Freedom Coalition. We've had him on before. Good to have him back on with us. And then uh, coming up in the first half hour of the next hour, Martha Zoller is going to be on with us, who is a, uh, a Georgia talk show host up in the northern part of the state. And we're going to talk to her about this as well. But, but Tim, how is this all playing out uh, with the people of Georgia? What are they saying about all of this? Well, I mean, you uh, you probably have to rewind a little bit to, uh, you know, to thinking through what the, the makeup of Georgia is uh, right now politically. Obviously, the uh, the Republicans just uh, just kind of did a number in, in 2022 with the governor's race and everything else. Mm-hmm. So uh, the uh, the electorate, generally speaking, is um, uh, it would I would say that it is uh, probably uh, basically a plus five or a Republican plus five uh, state for the most part. Uh, but, you know, parts of the suburban uh, metro Atlanta area uh, where, you know, a bunch of kind of um, uh, a bunch of migrate migration has happened over the last 20 years. So uh, so suburban Atlanta, you know, is kind of a mixed bag. And that's where uh, President Trump struggled, you know, four or three years ago now. Um, so that that's that's probably the the kind of fulcrum, the turning point uh, for for this whole conversation, and uh, and frankly, in my mind, actually, where Fannie, uh, you know, Willis is is um, especially kind of targeting. You know, she's she's basically trying to kind of overlay um, uh, Warnock, Senator Warnock's uh, electoral victories, and try to trying to get a jury pool in places where Warnock won and Herschel Walker lost. 
and also places where uh, Trump or Biden beat Trump in the in the the state, which is largely going to be kind of that suburban part of uh, Fulton County, which is the biggest city is called Alpharetta. So, you know, the bottom line is um, it's it's uh, it's it's a bit of a, a, a mixed bag. And uh, the, the Trump supporters and the Republicans, uh, you know, I think, see this for what it is, the witch hunt, witch, witch hunt that it is. Um, but, uh, you know, Fanny Fanny definitely has a certain audience that she can play to with this. Yeah, from from what it sounds, it's the way it plays out along a lot of states in the union now with the urban areas being solidly blue. But once you get outside the urban areas, it becomes solidly red. But, uh, for instance, Illinois, you get out of, you know, you get up in Cook County where it's solidly blue. You get a large contingent of voters there. And if you get out into the rural area, it's basically solid red but not enough to overcome the blue of 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 chicago is is that is atlanta that 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 blue that they can offset a lot of the rest of the state the the city of atlanta proper definitely is uh so you know the whole state is about uh uh probably right at 11 million people now and about six and a half million of those <clears throat> live in Metro Atlanta, which is, is um, you know, about a 14, 13 or 14 county metro area. And um, and and so outside of, of uh, you know, exactly like you just said, basically the suburbs end up being where the jump ball happens. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as Atlanta not only is a, is a national city, but frankly is an international city, mm-hmm. uh, you got a lot of people moving in the sub- suburban areas in the last, you know, decade or 15 years in particular um, that are, um, you know, like, like Dallas and Houston are seeing people from coming from California, like Nashville is seeing, frankly, a lot of people coming from Chicago. Atlanta brings a lot of people from the Northeast and a lot of people from the West Coast and, then, frankly, a lot of people from Europe and South America are moving to Atlanta, and it's, uh, you know, it's a very dynamic uh, place. A lot of changing happening pretty quickly, and, um, and, and that's, that's where, you know, Fannie is trying to, um, I mean, I think, I think most people really do see this for what it is, which is a political stunt, and not only is it, you know, clearly trying to hamper uh, Trump's campaign for 2024, uh, but also this is a great opportunity for Fannie Willis to, raise her profile you know did anybody in arkansas know who fanny willis was you know before four months ago maybe yeah i I didn't know of any ag in the united states with the first name of fanny to be honest with you so that that, that's kind of a different uh, different name as far as that's concerned but let's talk about the seriousness of this because if when we look at this this is what we're looking at in 2024 when we run for we get the presidential race going on again. Uh, the Democrats are going to contri- try to control the, the cities. We're going to try to control everybody else. I'm sure everybody has seen the map about all the counties of the United States, which ones are red, which ones are blue. And it tells it tells this story very, very clearly. So my question is, as conservatives and you're a conservative being executive director of Faith and Freedom, um, how do how do we win this back? How do we defeat this? Well, you know, the the, uh, the reality for a presidential election, especially, is that uh, you know these things are won on margins. I mean, even when Trump won, you know, in sixteen, obviously it was a very close race, and in in uh, uh, basically five states, uh, when he lost, you know, in twenty twenty, it really would boil down to more like four states. 
Um, so, you know, ironically, we're seeing like record turnout, you know, for the last probably three election cycles um, to, uh, you know, with with we're breaking new records. Really, both sides are breaking new records for most people voting. Uh, but it's you know, these things are being won and lost by less than 100,000 votes. If you kind of, you know, splice together 11,000 votes in Arizona and 10,000 votes in, you know, in Georgia and, you know, 37,000 votes in in uh and Wisconsin and maybe 70,000 votes in Pennsylvania. I mean, that's that's the difference with, you know, 100 and almost 160 million people voting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it you know, the, the unfortunate, you know, it's a little bit like kind of winning a football game. Sometimes you, you know, somebody misses a misses a field goal or makes a field goal on the very last play of the game. And you say, wow, you know, good thing they had that field goal kicker or whatever. Well, you could also argue that, you know, some dropped pass in the second quarter was just as impactful as That's right. the very last play because it's that tight. So in, in a sense, everything starts to matter, even if it's it's not necessarily a visible, you know, kind of global event. You know, if something happens in one county somewhere, that can actually have a huge impact on just a small swath of either, you know, suppressing one vote or really galvanizing another vote. So, you know, it's, it's very much an all-hands-on-deck kind of uh, – 24-7 type of exercise, which, you know, makes a job like mine that much more uh, interesting, we'll say. Um, but that's, you know, that's a huge reason why, you know, a, a, a race like, or a, 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 a lawsuit like this, um, you know, starts to come into play is because they're just trying to kind of like either galvanize their people by 5,000 or, you know, suppress uh, conservatives by a few thousand people in very specific places. All right. So, Trump has got his core supporters. They're not going to move no matter what happens here. They're 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 completely convinced that this is all just shenanigans on the Democrat side. Democrats are uh, you know firmly behind Biden. I guess I I guess he's still running for re-election. Nobody else seems to be able to challenge him as well. Uh, so we've we've got the the two camps together. But we have this large camp in the middle, the, quote, independents. How do, how do all of these different uh, indictments play out for the former president, do you believe? Man, great, uh, great question. And, um, you know, there's, there's a couple different ways to answer that. First, I'm, I'm, let me do Georgia very quickly first. So one of the interesting dynamics, I think, that, um, that I think Fannie and her team might have uh, overplayed is um, so so they actually indicted 19 people. I'm sure Correct. you saw in this in this Georgia indictment. So Trump, uh, Mark Meadows, um, the former Georgia uh, state party chairman, the guy named David Schaefer, uh, one of her one of Trump's lawyers, Sidney Powell. So those four of them. But there's 15 people on that list that I can guarantee you, basically nobody in the world's ever heard of before, except for their families. Uh, uh, but the, you know the irony, like from a from a uh, an international perspective, the irony is all of those uh, have little networks wherever they're from. So that's 15 people, little pockets of of relationships all throughout, and all of them live for the most part in suburban uh, Atlanta, that area I was just describing. Um, my own state senator, who's a great friend of mine, is on that list. Um, who's a golden guy, just a great guy. Well. Uh, even if some people may not necessarily be a Trump fan in uh, in his network, um, they are a fan of of this individual state senator. So ironically, by by painting with this broad brush, so that Fannie Ray, 
right, didn't look like she was only going for this political witch hunt. She cast wide enough net that she's demonizing people that have networks that these are these are good people. They're law-abiding people. Uh, so 15 different networks just got um, ignited across metro Atlanta that are kind of micro-networks um, that is actually going to have the inverse effect in an even more galvanizing way than she thought about. Um, so, you know, ironically, you can do similar things. It's not quite as personalized, but you can do similar things in different parts of the country. I, you know, I just had another friend of mine that lives uh, in another part of the country <clears throat> tell me um, on Monday, I guess, who is a Republican, has only re- voted Republican his entire life, but he, uh, he's not really a Trump fan. But he said about the only thing that can happen to make me vote for Donald Trump is if he is either um, almost indicted, uh, almost in prison, still under sentence, or if he's actually sitting in jail. He was like, this is ridiculous, and I've had enough of it. Well, I think that there's, there's a, a decent swath of people out there that actually, you know, well, exactly like you said earlier, I mean, the, the Biden loyalists uh, aren't, aren't going to change their minds. But a lot of these kind of uh, persuadable people in the middle who are not necessarily watching politics 24-7 like you and I do, are just looking at this saying, this is a banana republic, man. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't like him, beat him. You don't have to, like, literally indict him in four different jurisdictions and chase him and his family, you know, out into the the, hinterlands here. It's not what America is. In Nicaragua or, you know, know, Libya or something here. I I understand what you're saying. I need to get a break in if you'll... Sit with us. Finish up our uh, interview with Tim Head. He's the executive director of Faith and Freedom Coalition uh, here on uh, in in Georgia and across the United States. Uh, you guys have a big uh, deal up in the beginning of the uh, the year where you had a lot of different uh, politicians come in and speak. Let me ask this: uh, to move away from just Trump here. In the last few months, uh, Tim, there's been several different studies, Barna and others, showing that America may be becoming uh, a more secularized country than it has been in the past. Uh, does this worry you, what you're, what you're seeing uh, occurring? Well, um, you know, I think that <clears throat> there's, there's a, you know, a handful of different ways to look at this, but I, I would say... Uh, I, it's probably true that um, that kind of those who, who publicly identify as as Christian is is um, it's kind of waning, but you know it's not off, dropping off a cliff. Uh, it's, it definitely has implications for us spiritually, and then culturally, and then eventually politically. Um, but uh, but I, I would say the other element to this that's an interesting kind of uh, I, I actually was in ministry before I. I uh, went to law school and, and headed into politics, and there's an interesting dynamic I'll, I will uh, uh, submit to you that uh, I would say that more people, uh, historically, there have been a lot of people who went to church that, um, you know, I would say that their faith may have been more like the faith of their parents, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even their grandparents, and, um, and, and so they kind of were riding a little bit of this wave, a kind of cultural wave. Everybody in my town or everybody in you know, my extended family goes to church, and so we'll go. Um, they moved, you know, somewhere for college and stayed there and then quit going. Uh, so I guess my, my point is um, the 
the number I would submit may have always been slightly inflated because there was kind of this uh, cultural uh, acceptance and maybe even expectation that you call yourself a Christian. You would you would answer, you know, surveys and questionnaires like that in the affirmative. And now, you know, here we are 30 years later, and some of those people say, you know, and I'll just go ahead and tell you the truth. You know, I only went on Christmas and Easter anyway. So uh, I, I'm not trying to portray that as like good news or even dismiss dismiss that. But I would I would argue basically that the the surveys are starting to more accurately reflect what was probably more or less always the case. Um, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll just tell you from my own personal perspective and from the perspective of our organization uh, that the reason why we do what we do day in and day out, it's not an election year exercise. It's not, you know, only during uh, legislative uh, sessions and states. Uh, we're working on this nonstop because we believe that this is kind of the lifeblood of, uh, of this country and our desire is, is not only to honor God uh, personally in our own lives, but also publicly in, uh, you know, in, in public arenas and, and, you know, public discussions like the one we're having right now. And, uh, you know, if that, if that number is 81% or 18% of America, you know, we, we believe that, you know, we just keep on marching and honor God and, uh, you know, good things are going to happen at the end of the day, uh, no matter what. If you met with, uh, you know, the head of the Republican Party right now, and uh, talk to her about uh, former President Trump and uh, talk with the with Kemp and the others to their heads of the Republican Party there in Georgia. What would you be telling them to to be paying attention to? Well, you know, I think it's uh, it's very important uh, as much as possible um, for us to to present a unified front. Uh, to the general public, knowing that, you know, what we talked about just a few minutes ago, that that uh, statewide elections and certainly presidential elections are one on the margins. These are not going to be 20-point races anymore. These are two-point, one-point, you know, maybe literally half a percentage point difference in these things, and there's so much at stake that it's really important for us, you know, if we have differences, we can air those differences behind closed doors and, uh, you know, kind of get on the same page. But when things are presented publicly, when kind of casual observers that we, you know, have, have, have started to, to see a lot of the suburban uh, voters are just busy raising kids and, you know, having jobs and going to school, et cetera, when they look in casually and just see this kind of food fight uh, among Republicans, uh, it, it turns them off immediately because we actually, our messaging and also our policies really do work. They provide uh, safety and security for for, uh, for families, and they allow communities to flourish economically. Um, but when we're fighting among ourselves, uh, the you know the the political left uh, is 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 at least appears unified, you know, kind of from the outside looking in. Uh, right. And I think it's important for conservatives to do the same. All right, Tim Head is the executive director, Faith and Freedom Coalition. I'll be checking in with you from time to time, Tim. I appreciate your time here. On the Dave Ellswick Show here in Little Rock, thank you very much. Always great to be with you. Thanks so much, Dave, for having me, and God bless. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. Again, Tim Head, who is the, uh, uh, again, Executive Director of Faith and Freedom Coalition, and um, he's got a pretty good finger on the pulse of what's going on in Georgia. Now we're going to talk, when we come back from the news, with a woman who has a really good finger on the pulse of georgia and that's martha zoller all right back with you 
State Senator Kim Hammer is our final guest for today in this final half hour of the uh, Thursday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. Tomorrow we'll be live uh, from the uh, Family Council event uh, going on uh, over there by uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church. And uh, we'll broadcast from 7 till 11 uh, at that event uh, tomorrow. So as soon as I get done here cutting my promo, then I get a zip with the equipment over there and uh, get it set up and ready to go in the morning so you can just walk in, sit down, and start broadcasting. Uh, Kim, I had uh, Colonel Conrad Reynolds on today, and uh, he was talking about the wind that uh, he feels that he got out of uh, Searcy County last night where they said that they were or, uh, on Tuesday night going to uh, paper ballots again. Uh, I just wanted, I wanted to make sure we got your, your feelings about this as well. And uh, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, the Colonel and I are on opposite ends of the spectrum on this conversation. Uh, he takes the position that the machines that are currently being used are being manipulated. Uh, I would counter that by the fact that 15 counties being audited, uh, of which it was only one vote of all those votes in those 15 counties, Plaxton County being one of them, that was found to have a discrepancy. And it wasn't because of the machine. It was because of human error. Uh, so I see no reason to move away from the system we've got. Uh, could there be things going on in other states? Maybe, possibly. Uh, but as far as anything that's happened in our state, that would give cause to go back to a uh, system that historically has had flaws and have had uh, evidences of tampering. Uh, I, I can't get on that same page that he's on. Okay. We had the Secretary of State on uh, the other day, and, and he said he really didn't care how counties decided to do it. They just had to do it either by paper ballot or by the machine. Uh, it was it, it was up to them of how they wanted to do it. Would, would you agree with that, too? It is up to each individual county. And, Dave, I'm going through a dead area. I may be out for a minute, but I'll be right back if you lose me. Okay. But it is up to each individual county. That's what the law that we passed allows each individual county to do. However, it's up to each individual county to pay for it. And one of the arguments I would make is that why would you take why would you take good money away from other resources that it could be used for in order to go to a system that does not show any benefits given the history of the successes that we've had with the machines? And there was a reason somewhere in history that we moved away from, you know, paper ballots being number two lead pencils and ovals. There's a reason that, you know, got away from that as the primary means of voting, and it was because of so much flaw, so many flaws and so much delayed time in reporting and so many other things. Uh, so to go back to it, uh, I, you know, that's like going back to a time when we didn't have electricity, running water, or indoor toilets. All right. I can understand. I, you know, I, I understand your, your uh, feelings about it. I agree with the, the Secretary of State. You can either do paper ballots or the machine, pick one. <laughs> That's kind of, kind of how I look at it. But, and it's up to each individual county. The, the one thing I would want to point out, though, all you got to do is look at what happened up in Baxter County when they had the school board election and had the millage. 
and there were, I think, somewhere around 60,000 votes on that one. And they volunteered, you know, the the, uh, the county clerk up there said, hey, let's do a voluntary audit of the election. Let's just do a test trial. And she brought in Democrats, Republicans, the Patriots. You know, she brought in all flavors. And at the end of the day, when they need to stay and do the count because they couldn't get it right, people walked away and said, we're not doing this anymore. What makes us think it's going to be a different if you do that in another county. Now they may throw all the resources they can at Searcy County in order to be able to make sure the first one is successful, but can you duplicate that across 75 counties in a state with a population of over 3 million and it be successful, it be accurate, and it be timely? I, I don't see that happening. All right, well, let's move on to other subjects. I don't want to spend our, our whole time talking about paper ballots and machines. I just, we've, we've kind of beat that horse as hard as we can from both ends. So let, let's talk about what's coming up on uh, Saturday. It's a state uh, uh, meeting of the Republican Party. Uh, a new chair will be elected uh, during that time. Uh, how do you see this playing out? Or, or are you willing to, to play the, the, the guy who looks in the crystal ball, ball on this one? Uh, I mean, I don't mind playing the game of the crystal ball but i have been known to drop them and break them so don't, <laughs> don't 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 go bet on the horses on this one okay okay uh i know both sides are working hard those that are in favor of sarah uh duncan they 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 are working hard i know uh those on the side of joseph woods working hard and uh you know joseph has quite a bit of support behind him when you consider that the governor is behind him I uh, saw a postcard with Tom Cotton and a third one that's kind of high-ranking. Just can't remember who it was. Um, but that, you know, that within itself, given the fact that those are some of the most conservative people historically and currently, uh, makes a statement within itself. And I think Joseph is well-qualified. I think that he uh, brings the credentials, and he can, bring, uh, he can bring the peace pipe to the table in order to get everybody on the same page because right now we're a party that's got some division uh got some got some lines drawn and the next person in is going to have to be a person that can help bring two sides within one party together what what do you think is the biggest issue that uh, whoever becomes uh the chair is going to be faced with first um well, I think it's going to be bringing unity because the other side that doesn't win is going to be pretty bitter. Okay. Um, I think one side more so than the other. And I think that the biggest hurdle that uh, one of them is going to have to face is how to bring us together so that we're not fighting each other and we can, you know, fight against uh, those that have different platform than we do. Uh, to me, uh, we are a party that is being destroyed from within, not necessarily without. All right. There's some other issues that are going to come up during the uh, the state uh, uh, committee meeting. One of those being open or closed uh, primaries. Where do you think that's going? I think that depending on who's in control, that they will probably try to pass a resolution and do everything within their power. Uh, Sarah wins to get that, um, you know, on the table. However, there is a attorney general opinion that's coming that I think is going to show, or even without the Attorney General's opinion, just put that to the side. 
uh, it's something that's going to have to be done by the legislative branch. It can't be done by a political party. Um, I think that will probably be challenged in court, but so be it. Um, me personally, uh, before we just move toward a closed primary, we better think long and hard and deep about the unintended consequences of that. Uh, because if you have people that don't register and then they show up to vote, they're not a registered Republican, but they want to vote the Republican ticket and they can't, uh, you're going to have a lot of animosity shown toward poll workers and other things that I think is not something we just need to jump right into without really thinking through the, the unintended consequences. That'll be That'll be one big issue. Yeah, I think that perhaps what uh, needs to be done, because I, I had a kind of a good back and forth with the uh, Secretary of State. He is for open primaries, as you know, and you've known me for a long time. I'm for closed. However, I think I'm leaning more towards a hybrid because I can understand what the uh, Secretary of State was saying about that you don't want to turn off all of the uh, uh, the independents. So there's got to be, there needs to be a way that the independents would not be uh, affected uh, by this, maybe making sure that if you are a uh, a Democrat and you are registered as a Democrat, you don't get to vote in the Republican primary. I don't know. Uh, that's something that would have to be worked out. Well, and on that point, uh, you've got a lot of Democrats that are leaving the Democrat Party because of the platform of the Democrat Party, and, and kudos to them for doing that. Um, you, but they may not want to be registered as Republican. I understand in the you know closed primary you keep Democrats from coming in, or you keep Republicans from going over to the other side to you know control the primary. Uh, you know who's going to be the winner in the primary? I get that. But on the other side of the coin, you got to think through. But what if you got some that that don't want to be affiliated with the Democrat Party, but they want to vote on the Republican ticket, and we need those votes to win? then what what do you you know how are you going to address that and keep that door open all right again you bring up a good point i mean i don't think that the, that it's going to be an an easy fix but i do think we we've got to figure out a way to keep the democratic party from having effects on on our 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 primaries as far as that's uh, uh concerned what are what are some agree. you know what are some other areas that you think need to be addressed uh, at this state uh, meeting? Are there other things? I'm going to be there. I told Seth Mays just to put a chalk drawing on the wall where I can stand, and I'm going to stand in there because it's going to be it's going to be packed to the gills come Saturday. But it, it I just think that uh, there's probably some different things that need to be addressed. I think I think nothing can be addressed with any significant outcome until we can all agree that sometimes you don't always agree with each other and this 100% rule um, is is not practical nor is it achievable and I'll say this too that we got to get past this business of Trump having lost the election back in 2020 or even if it was stolen it is water under the bridge and we're so focused on the past that we're letting the Democrats steal our future because they are sitting back and just watching us implode from the inside out. And if we don't get our game together as far as the party coming together, then what will end up happening, I'm afraid, is in about 10 years or maybe a little bit longer, but systematically the, the pendulum is going to swing back. It wouldn't be the first time in history that it's happened, 
why would we not think that it wouldn't happen in the future? And so before we can have any significant impact on anything, we've got to get at the table and say, look, both sides need to come to an understanding that it isn't always going to be 100%. Apply the Ronald Reagan rule of 80-20, and let's move our party forward. So do you do you believe, just one last question for you, do you believe now that the LEARNS Act has become law, that uh, the fight over the LEARNS Act is uh, coming to an end? No. Uh, I think that I think we'll be able to hold the line. I think the fact that they weren't able to get the number of votes that they needed, and somebody will say, well, we didn't have enough time, but you made it a really big issue during the process that the vast majority of people, you know, disagreed with it. You shouldn't have had trouble getting the number of votes required. Mm -hmm. And some of the people that signed that petition, because I've had a few talk to me, wish they had not signed it, because like all other petition gathering processes, you only get told half the truth or maybe not all the truth whenever you're asked to sign something and uh, i don't think it's over but i don't think you're going to see a major win by anybody trying to undo it because we will work to make it a better refined process and um uh, it'll be it'll be better in the future as we tweak out the things that need to be tweaked well we got uh, this first we got three years to get it all running and get it going smoothly i'm i'm sure that the other side will point out every small detail of anything that doesn't work exactly as we would like to see it uh, happen three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.